Right, so Roger very kindly introduced me. I'm Nikki. Um, I, like he said, you've stolen my introduction. Um, Mark and Cheryl not being here, and because I've just finished the year-long course that Mark's taught called Truth Quest, I'm on that list now that I get to stand in and when they're not here. Um, I've been coming to Faith Life, I worked out the other day, for nearly 13 years on and off, which is like a whole lifetime, but properly for about five or six. And I kept coming back and... Um, I just hope that that touches someone today because you, you can dip in and out and come back. The message is the same. Um, I help out at church behind the scenes with some policy stuff, which isn't very exciting, but someone's got to do it. And being a lawyer, that falls on me. Um, but now I also help with kids' ministry. And now I've done Truth Quest, I have to help on this bit as well. There's no choice. You get added. And I, having only half an hour, thought I'd pick a lovely topic of faith which is enormous, massive. And so I think my plan is to, by the end of it, you'll know what faith is. Maybe you'll have some questions about it. I would love it if people wanted to get it or get more of it. Um, but I also want to start by saying when I say faith, it can sound really religious and a bit heavy, and it might come with some pictures in your mind that might not be that great or they might not be that positive. So I really want to cut through those pictures and just get down to the simple stuff. Some people have loads of wonderful ideas about faith, but even they can overcomplicate it sometimes. We just all need to get back to what it really is. So controversially, when I did this to Mark, I said I'm going to pick a non-scriptural definition of faith. So bear with me. It is to have complete confidence in something or someone. That's what faith is in a non-biblical so I have complete confidence that when I turn my tap on in the kitchen, I'm going to get drinkable water. I have complete confidence that when I drive into Cambridge over one of the bridges, my car is going to be safe. All the other cars, all the people walking over it, that bridge is going to hold them up. I have complete confidence that a red light means stop. I have complete confidence in loads of things daily. I asked my husband what he had complete confidence in and love him. He said, me. So I was, but then I realized it's because he relies on me, has faith that I'm going to do the stuff I say I'm going to do. That was very sweet. And he's here today, so I get to mention him. Um, so if you think about everyday lives, we all have a lot of faith in a lot of stuff. We just don't acknowledge it because it just is part of how we do life. When you take that notion of complete confidence and you put it in a spiritual context, however, it starts to feel a little less simple and a little less easy to make a list of things that you have faith in. So I don't want to talk about taps and bridges and traffic lights for half an hour. It'd be very boring. I want to talk to you about having faith, having complete confidence in Jesus. And I'm going to break it into two stages. There's the first faith and then everyday faith. So your first faith has actually been mentioned a lot this morning in, in our songs, but also um, when Roger was talking about communion, that first faith is this moment. It's a one, it's so brief, but it is the most important thing you can do. It is when you believe that Jesus is your savior, when you accept God's gift of grace. And that gift of grace phrase, I think is quite hard to get your head around. So I put it in, when I was explaining it to the kids, in a gift box, imagine a box. And inside that box is squashed Jesus' whole life, his death, his resurrection, and all the reasons for those things. That is grace. 
And it is that condensed version of the first four books of the New Testament that I'm going to give you really briefly just to like back up what it is. God loved everybody so much that he had this plan and he sent his son as a baby, Jesus, and that man grew up living a perfect life, doing absolutely nothing wrong. All he did was talk about God, talk about love, talk about how to live our lives and how to pray. That's his whole, that's all he wanted to do. He was perfect. He could do no wrong. And when he died on the cross, he did that because he wanted to take away all the rubbish in our lives. He wanted to do something we couldn't do for ourselves. So first faith is that moment when you believe that Jesus came to deal with all the rubbish in your life. And you believe that he died for you. He was your savior. That moment when you believe that is first faith. It's first complete confidence in Jesus. So if you here are struggling with something, that first faith can deal with that struggle. That understanding that Jesus took away the rubbish and deal with the struggle. He paid for it for you. If you are a Jesus follower already, you know that. And you can also rely on the fact that he, not only did he break the struggle in your life, but he left the Holy Spirit to help you every day. If you are not a Jesus follower, how amazing would it be to know that you could have something that would deal with all the struggles in your life? There is something that can help you. Anyone can get that gift box. Roger explained that. It's available to anyone and everyone. You just need to acknowledge that you've got some rubbish in your life that needs dealing with and know that Jesus, the perfect Jesus, died for you and that he is therefore your savior. That's it. It's so simple. And when you've got it, it's not going away. It just grows to everyday faith. Now, I had to actually stop typing my talk at this point because I can talk to you about first faith all day. I, I've done it. I know what it is. I can go all over the Bible and find loads of amazing verses about it. But then when I started to think about everyday faith, I genuinely thought, well, I better find another talk because I find everyday faith really a struggle. So two options, bin the talk that I've just started, start a new one and hope that Mark liked it. Or go and do something about it. Go and look and try and help myself and maybe even, maybe you guys are great at everyday faith, I don't know, but maybe share it with people who also have a struggle with it. And I went with that option because I like to do things. I like to make a list and do stuff. And actually, that trait of my character is one of the reasons I struggle with everyday faith because I do like to rely on myself a lot. I like to say, right, Nikki, what are we doing? We're going to make a list about it. We're going to get on with it. We're going to do it to the best of your ability. And you can just worry about what I need to do. And that reliance on self does take you away from everyday faith. But then there's also looking around you every day here in church, looking at everyone. Everyone looks very put together, not as harassed as I feel. Or you're in the street and you see people looking all like life is great. Or your friends or anyone around you, not to compare yourself to them, but just you're aware of what's, what's happening around you. And people seem to be doing all right. But then conversely, you open a newspaper, you look online, the world's in turmoil, it's tearing itself apart, and the whole thing's a complete shambles. So the best thing to do is just start looking to yourself again. The thing is, life is, like, it's tough. I'm just jumping ahead in my notes. And 
when you look around or when you just rely on yourself, things being unpredictable, worry and doubt set in. They do. Well, they do for me. I don't know about anyone else. Because life is changeable. Stuff comes in waves. It comes in good and bad and bad and bad and good. And it's also unpredictable and changeable. And I know I'm looking for a solution that counteracts that unpredictability. And that solution is available. It is possible to have something in your life that is constant and unchanging. That something is actually a someone, and his name is Jesus. He will counteract that changeability in your life. And how it works is Jesus, as a person, as a man, will never change, even though life and people do. He is the same then, now, and forever. He's never going to change. What Jesus has done for you will never change, even though life and people do. He died once on the cross, just once, and it dealt with it all. So whatever else is happening in your life, that one-time moment, if you believe that, it's dealt with. It is. And Jesus is behind you. He's really for you. He wants you to succeed. God didn't send him to die so that we could all just like fail at life. The massive sacrifice that happened once, the man doesn't change, and you can hold on to that, and it can become your stability, your counteract to the instability of life. And I was writing this and thought about the red lights again. I mentioned them in my, I have faith in red lights. Well, I, don't, I was thinking, well, actually, in Cambridge, I don't know, anyone drove in town today has probably no faith in the red lights because when you go to a red light, three people go through after it's gone red <clears throat> and a bus and probably two cyclists going the wrong way and the whole thing's an absolute joke. And you're there thinking, well, what am I going to do? I've lost my faith. The red lights don't work. Jesus is a little bit like a red light in this circumstance. The red light always means stop. That meaning doesn't change. The red lights are there for a reason. They're going to help you. Jesus is there for a reason, and he's going to help you, and he doesn't change. The issue is the drivers. It's the stuff that's in your life. It's the circumstances. It's the sickness, the unemployment, the money worries, the people just not being very kind, or stuff around you that changes all the time. That's like those crazy drivers going through the red lights. If you concentrate on the stuff going on around you, the drivers not doing as they're told, your eyes start to think the red lights don't work anymore. You can lose or dent your faith in Jesus. He is unchanging. So you've got to focus on him rather than looking around. If you already know Jesus, that's very easy for me to say because you've just got to turn your eyes back to him. thing is, if you don't know Jesus, you're not even looking for him, let alone where to find him. And that's where your first faith can really help. I had a really rubbish couple of years, like rubbish. My father passed away. I got sick, like really sick. I had multiple operations and was just generally living not a very good couple of years. It was tough. But faith often comes when life is really hard um, because you cry out, help me, in the worst times. And what's interesting is I did not cry out to myself, help me, Nikki. Nothing I could do. I didn't cry out to anyone here. I didn't cry out to anyone. I cried out to Jesus because he was the only one that could give me that you're going to get through. 
You're going to get through this. I am behind you. I'm unchanging. I am steady. That's who I cried out to. To have complete confidence in him got me through that time. And again, having complete confidence in Jesus is very easy to say if you already know him. And if you don't know what it is to have complete confidence in Jesus, I'm just pleased you're here today because maybe I'll say something that could be helpful. Maybe, hopefully. (laughs) So to look now to Jesus, to what he did, because that's where we're going to really learn about, about the next stuff. And I have got two stories. And normally I would just use one, but I'm using two because there's a stepping from one story to the next that's really important, that are between times of the two stories is important as much as the stories themselves. So, this story is where Jesus has been followed all day by thousands of people, around 5,000, as my little intro to who it could, what story it is. And Jesus, unlike Mark, who is trying to keep neat 30-minute talks, Jesus has gone long on the talking. He's been going for hours, and everyone is now starving. Jesus could either send them home or do what he did, which is use the opportunity as a bit of a teaching moment for the disciples. He was like, right, this is perfect. I'm going to see if they can take what I give them, have complete confidence in me, and watch everything multiply. So he takes the bread and the fish, looks to heaven and says, off you go, guys, feed the 5,000. And they do. So they are a part of a miracle. They are, this is like teaching in progress, practical teaching at its best. So they've just seen this incredible miracle. They fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish from a young boy. And instead of just then winning out on that miracle, there's an immediate next story where Jesus says, right, guys, you guys, into your boat, over to the other side of the lake. Straight away. And these guys, some of them are fishermen, some of them aren't. But the fishermen in the crowd would have been thinking, well, are you mad? There's a storm coming. They could see it a mile off. I wouldn't know, but the fishermen of the, of the time would know that a storm was coming in. And so at Matthew 14, to 31, which is where I'm getting my, my story, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So... They're getting in the boat, and then he says, I'm off. You go on your own. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, being tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So Jesus has said to them, in the boat, off you go. By the way, I'm not coming. I'll go and pray. And they have, good on them. I mean, I would have struggled. They have got in that boat into the storm, and they are paddling away. They are pushing through, struggling with that new problem, which is the waves and the wind tossing them around. Without Jesus by their side, they're doing it because they complete confidence in what he said, which is to go. But then, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus says to them, went to them, sorry, walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking out on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Now, Mark pointed out to me when I was reading this to him that in one of the other Bible um, Gospels, it says that Jesus was going to walk past them, which I found mad. I didn't know that, so it was quite interesting. But it's important because at verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, do not be afraid. 
And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. The reason that story about him going past the boat is important because you have a role to play in your everyday faith. He was just going. He's like, you trust me, let's go. I'm, I'm going to the other side, you're going to the other side. You have to turn to Jesus and like me, cry out or whatever it is, wave to him, shout, Jesus, help me. And if you do that, he will turn to you. He stopped and was like, it's me, guys. You know, I'm here. So back to the, the boat. Jesus, Peter, sorry, who is the sort of bold one of the group. He's the one who would go on like the mad rides at the park. He's like, right, I have done this feeding the 5,000 thing. I'm in a boat. You're on the water. Like, I am full of complete confidence in Jesus. I'm coming out. I'm going to walk out. I can do it. And Jesus says, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Remember that cry out moment? He didn't cry Disciples save me, or me save me. He said, Jesus save me. What went wrong? He wanted to look at the storm and the waves and the crazy storm around him, not to Jesus. So he had just fed 5,000 people with loaves and fishes, seen Jesus walk on water. He's had this complete confidence, and then in a moment, it's gone. He's lost that, lost that faith. If you are distracted, it will kill your faith. You need to anchor yourself to the thing that is unchanging. And we've worked out that that unchanging thing that is available to everybody is Jesus. You've got to anchor yourself to him. So at verse 31, it says, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now that part that I just read that Jesus says, oh, you have little doubt. I read it probably with not enough emphasis in a gentle way. If you look at this passage and you get to the end and you read it with a very grumpy, miserable, religious, oh, you of little faith way, you'll feel like Jesus is telling you off for having a wobble. And I picture it that he's got his arm around Peter and he's like, oh, come on. You were doing so well. Why did you take your eyes off me? You have little faith. Why did you look at the storm? I'm here. It's that gentle coming alongside and then immediately ceasing the wind. That's how I'm reading it anyway. And I think if you learn about Jesus, that's how he would have said it. If you take your eyes off Jesus, even for a moment, he's not going anywhere. So we can liken Peter and our everyday faith to one another. Even if life is going really, really well, and you've just witnessed a miracle, the next moment you might have a wobble, but he's still there. He's not cross with you. He's not saying, you have little faith. He's saying, I'm here. I'm going to calm those winds and waves. The incredible thing about faith about having complete confidence in Jesus, and Roger said it earlier, is you can get it anytime. Anyone can get it anytime. Anywhere from whatever messy, imperfect, disastrous even 
horrible life you're living, it's available. When you step out and get first faith, that moment, that belief, you accept Jesus as your savior. That Jesus that you accept in that moment is the same Jesus who fed 5,000 people with loaves and fishes. He is the same Jesus who walked out to Peter and lifted him out of the waves. He is the same Jesus that died on the cross once for everybody. He is the same Jesus that is in heaven waiting for us to believe in him so that we can join him one day. He is a guy that will, regardless of any circumstance, not change. And regardless of any circumstance, be there waiting for you with his arms wide open. You don't have to change to get first faith. You don't have to do anything. But when you get it, you are completely changed. When you get first faith, you are changed on the inside. Your outside might still look a bit of a mess. Don't worry. Nothing might not all look miraculously different. But on the inside, you are changed. And at that moment, you form a permanent heart connection with the Holy Spirit. And that is your helper. That is what will get you through every day. So where does all of that leave me with my faith, my confidence in Jesus? Where does it leave you with yours? I'm not going to ask anyone to step out of a boat and walk on water. But the challenge, especially for someone like me who does look to herself and is aware of other people, even if I'm not comparing, you have to remember God isn't going to change ever. Jesus isn't going to change ever. No one is cha- God and Jesus aren't changing their mind about you because you're having a rough time or because even you're doubting them. Even that isn't going to change their mind about you. Jesus is steadfast. He is unchanging. And when you get first faith, it's like he says to you, come out on the water. I'm going to do life with you now. I'm going to see you through those winds and waves. I'm going to build a relationship with you. And everyday faith, the thing I find hard, is relationship with Jesus. I know he loves me, but my part of it is what I find hard. And that relationship, becoming strong, is the solution to all of the environments you might find yourself in. So what I've discovered on my journey of faith, which has been going for a long time and I still find it hard, or what I've found from other people and other people's stories is that there are things that you can do, practical things that you can do to help yourself. And two or three of them, because there are lots, and actually speaking with people who've got amazing faith is really helpful as well. Time with him is the most important thing like relationships in real life. You've got to spend time with one another to grow and build a relationship. Making time to grow it will allow good stuff to come out of it. Some people might call it a spiritual discipline or a habit. I would say it's like me trying every morning to say, God, I'm I'm handing my day to you today, Jesus. Spend time with him. Tell him how you're feeling, even if what you say is that I'm having a really rubbish time and I don't know if you're there for me. That's still time with Jesus. Tell him what's bothering you and then sit quietly and wait because he might tell you something that you need to hear. You've got to listen for him though. Wait for him. The next thing I really would love you to do is learn about him. 
you've got to check out his track record. Um, he died for you. <laughs> and that's the biggest thing anyone could ever do. And if you learn about the man who died for you, you will grow your faith. And if you have no idea where to start, and I think this is a tough one, especially if this is new to you, the Gospels in the Bible are the best place. And depending on your personality, if you're like me and you like a reading, note-taking kind of story, start with Luke. If you want more of a, like, let's get it done, action-packed, start with Mark. Learn about him, though. You might find out things about Jesus that you can actually, will help you every day. The last thing to do is focus. You have to keep your attention intentionally on Jesus. Focus on him. Concentrate on him. And this is where, as a group, as Christians, we can help one another. Because if one of us starts moaning about how awful our lives are to another person here, that other person could sometimes also moan about how bad life is. And then you're not focusing on Jesus. So encourage one another. If you are talking to somebody, focus them back to Jesus. Help them, and it will help you as well. Jesus is the source of our faith. You do not have to grow it from nothing. That first faith moment is where you'll find it, and from there it will grow, all at different rates because it's a personal thing. Don't compare yourself to anyone else, especially not in the room. We are all different, and we're all on different journeys. I would like to say, be like the guys in the boat. Keep pushing on. Keep going through the storm. Remember, he's coming. He's walking alongside you. You've just got to reach out. Ask him to come and he'll be there. So I, I think to wrap it up for me would be a love. I'd like to pray for everyone in the room. Um, if you haven't got an everyday relationship with Jesus yet, if you haven't had that first faith moment yet, I want to pray for you. If you've done your first faith moment and you're like me and you find everyday faith really hard, I'd like to pray for you. And if you've got like awesome, amazing faith and you find it like breeze leaving Jesus to be, you know, Lord of your life every day, come and talk to me afterwards. I'd like to know some tips. But also like I want to pray for you too because it can be so simple and we can get bogged down. So Heavenly Father, for everyone in the room that is tossed and turned and thrown around by life, I ask that you help them see Jesus as their steadfast focus. Jesus, I want you to see in their hearts the things that they want to be forgiven for, the rubbish in their life, that they might acknowledge your perfect life and accept you as their saviour. For anyone here who already knows Jesus, I want them to help you to help them keep focus on Jesus and his unchanging nature. Father, I ask that you help all of us keep our eyes on you, to keep our eyes on your son and everything he did for us. Help us, Lord, to stop looking around at the world and look to you first. Amen.